Good to be in church, isn't it? Come on, give God some praise. Glad that you're here. Hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're with us today. And if you're here for the second week, welcome back. And as always, if this is home, welcome home. It's good to be back in the house of God. Amen. Hey, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. This is the second of what it will be five services today. And um, I'm just so grateful for what God's doing in the life of this house and what he's doing really around the globe. And and I just want to, before you go any further, I have a, a word of my heart I want to share with you, but maybe it's not so much me talking at you. I want you to dialogue back with me. And I want you to dialogue back. Maybe you don't need to say it out loud, but I'm going to um, hopefully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I know that he'll do things that I could never do anyway, and he's going to prompt you to maybe give more attention to questions that you've maybe put off over the years of your life. And um, we're, gl- we're glad that you're here. We have, this, we have this thought. We have this belief, rather. It's not just a thought. It's a belief. It's actually a deep-rooted conviction that we believe that, that God can supernaturally change our life in a moment of time. And we just believe that. We believe that you could walk in broken and, and simply through the act of surrender and humility that you could surrender your life to Jesus and in doing so, God could forever change your life. And so we, we believe that. Now, it might seem crazy to you. It may seem far-fetched. It may seem just irrelevant to you and your situation. And I've come to realize that, that sometimes as a church, we don't always convey the message in the best way for people to receive it. And I know being raised in the church, one of the, one of the greatest things in my life was being raised in the church and watch people serve the Lord. But, but also in doing so, I was confused at times. I didn't know um, what God really meant by certain scriptures. I didn't understand how his messages were always seen around me. But I can tell you one thing, that, that God's faithful. And he's faithful even when you don't understand. He's faithful even when you're faithless. He, he's, he's faithful in the good seasons of our life and the bad seasons. He's faithful when we just call on him when we really need him, then abandon him when we think we don't. He's still there. He's just faithful always. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I really, I, I pray that you're at a season in your life or maybe along in your journey where you recognize that you're not in complete control. <laughs> Anyone else there? You know what I'm talking about? Um, maybe you're still fighting him. Maybe you're like, no, no, I, you don't know me. No, no, I know humanity. I know me. I know what the word says about what pride and arrogance and foolishness of our flesh can lead us to into thinking that we can accomplish things that really truthfully we can't. I know this to be true, that there is a part in all humanity that yearns and longs for something other than what they can acquire themselves. And this is a crazy thing. It's this, it's this hope. And hope is one of those future words, right? We can use it in the present, but but hope is a future word. In the past, it's seen as regret, but hope is a future word. And God designed us in a way to live with this hope. He gives us this hope, this desire to long for things that are ahead of us, for us to see ourselves as a different person. Some of you are tired of the version of you in 2018, and you're anticipating already right now, and you're hoping that there will be a new 2.0 version of you in 2019. Some of you are, are, are hoping that, that your marriage and your family will look different in 2019, and you're hoping for it, and you can see it. The craziest thing is, is that we can see with and through the lens of hope our future, but it has not yet arrived yet. 
And God's wired us in a way to have this longing and this hope for the things of the future, even though we've never been there. And we can strive and live and move, and God's designed us in a way to, to move us out of this, this place of apathy and just saying to ourselves, this is just the way it is, but he's given and ushered hope to humanity that comes through Jesus Christ. And it's what we, those who are in Christ, those who are sons and daughters of the King, can say, no, we have a greater hope, a hope of tomorrow. That's why with, without hesitancy or without reservation, we can all declare to those who are in Christ that our best days are ahead. To be absent in the body is to be present with God. And the Bible promises all of us that, we're, that our life is like a vapor. It's here today and can be gone tomorrow. And I just want, in the, in the time we have together, it's not a long time, um, I just say that for some of you who, I don't know what you think our church service is like. It's not like three hours, okay? It's like um, we try to respect and honor your time. And uh, it's four. And uh, just kidding. <laughs> some of you are like, what are you going to say? What is it? It's that it's an hour long. Today will be about 10 minutes longer just because it's a special Sunday. But I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me. But this is why I want you to pray. And you're like, well, I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to close my eyes and let you say the words. And I'm going to go, hmm, hmm. That was good. Now, I want you to pray as I pray. But I, maybe, maybe your prayer will be different than my prayer, and this is what I mean. Some of you um, are good at listening, but what I've recognized even about myself is sometimes we're better at listening to our own thoughts than the thoughts that are being shared. And so maybe right now you just need to address the thoughts that you're having. Some of you, the last time you stepped foot in church, you said to yourself as you were leaving, I will never go back to church. Maybe the brokenness of past relationships, maybe the brokenness of how you thought church handled situations in your life. You just said, you know what, I'm done with it. Maybe your perception of God is in a way that you, you're waiting for me to say that God is good and in your mind you're gonna say, no, I know he's not. I don't, I don't know, but whatever you're telling yourself right now, maybe just begin to ask God that question. Begin to be honest with God, and God wants you to be honest. It's the best place to start with the Lord. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not intimidated by your past. He's not intimidated by your thoughts and your brokenness and your shame. He's not intimidated by those things. He wants you to bring them to him. And so will you join me in prayer? I want you to pray right now. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you have a word for your people. And Father, I pray that you would give me the words to articulate clearly. Father, I'm not asking for perfection. I know that the Holy Spirit will take what you desire for people to have and will deposit it in the hearts that are ready to receive today. But Father, I pray that you'd help me convey this message with humility and clarity. And Father, I'm grateful that you did not withhold your only son over 2,000 years ago. I'm grateful that even though we don't fully understand the significance of what you did at times, that you still have done it. I'm grateful for your patience in our life. I'm grateful that while we were still far off and away from you and sinful, Father, that you demonstrated your love towards us individually, that you sent your son personally to die for each one of us. And Father, we're forever grateful for that. And may we celebrate that moment today. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Amen, come on, let's clap for Jesus. A while ago when I was um, talking to someone about church, and. I, they asked me a question, a question that I often heard before, but it was a question that went like this. It was, um, why should I um, come to church? What, I mean, what does it have to do with me? And they would begin lines of saying like, well, it's, I don't believe. I don't believe. I don't believe. And I, no, no, I just, I just don't, I don't believe. And, and often it, people's initial responses become their automated defense mechanism to 
keep away anything that will conflict with their current presuppositions or their current belief system. And I know many of us are like that because beneath our convictions and within our soul reside a belief system by which we operate on a day-to-day basis. And if anyone gets too close to those convictions or those belief systems, we become like one of those crazy two-year-olds where we just, we will do whatever we need to just to keep you away. And you won't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. This is what I believe. Don't mess with me. This is the situation. This is what happened. But I realize that, that if we can keep talking through the why and keep asking ourselves why, and keep prompting ourselves to say, well, why do I feel that way? This Socratic method of thinking and prompting us to ask ourselves questions. And I don't know about you, but I was one of those curious kids that every time the teacher said, this is it, I'd be there saying, why? And then they'd tell me like, why? You know, and that was me. That was me. I was, I was one of those people that was curious. And as I began to grow, I, I, I found that curiosity turning into cynicism and and a critical spirit where I was just like, I don't agree, but I would simply stop my thinking at the end of the statement of saying I disagreed. And then when God takes you to a place to say, okay, you need to expound upon the belief system by which you operate and live and breathe, because you, you need to give some time to it. I realized at a season of my life, I had not given much thought to eternity. And you know, if, if you could picture your life in, in, in this, if there were rope, piles of rope circled around to the ceiling on this stage and, and at one end of the rope we were to paint it red and it would be about an inch long, that would be the lifespan of your life here on earth. But everything else would be life for eternity. It's hard for us to imagine. It's hard for us to even fathom what that would look like, but yet it's in those moments of the now that will determine all of eternity. And most of us don't spend enough time to even ask ourselves questions. I find that we keep things at a, different, at a distance because of the uncertainty of where it might lead us to. So I don't know where you've arrived today. I don't know how you, how you got here. Someone could have promised to take you out to lunch and you ended up, or breakfast and you ended up here. <laughs> I don't know, but we're glad that you're here nonetheless. But there's a story of the birth of Jesus outlined in the Gospels, Matthew particularly, and in Luke, and I want to read to you what the Gospel of Luke says in chapter 2, verse 8 through 15. It speaks of the arrival or the announcement of the coming Savior, the birth of Jesus Christ. And we're in this series called Hark, which simply means to listen. Harking, are you listening? It's just a strange word, isn't it? Just start using it on your day-to-day basis. People will look at you like you're just crazy. Just hark, are you harking? You're like, what are you talking about? Are you listening? Hark the herald, listen to the messenger. Come to realize that we are inundated with voices and sounds, but sometimes the most significant things we should listen to, we don't. And the criticisms, how is it that we have this inability to not absorb everything critical that comes our way? It doesn't matter like what we do, but if, if you could get 500 compliments, but the three critical things that people tell you get stuck in between your ears. And I don't know what it is, but I do know that there are voices we hear and that there are things that we should listen to. And I just plead with you this morning in the remaining moments we have that you would listen to this story and maybe hear it with fresh ears and just and, and take the questions you have. I don't want you to get rid of the questions you have, but just put them off to the side. And I want you to hear this announcement, this portion of Scripture as it is read in Luke. 
it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I don't know about you, but I love to relive stuff like that. And I used to go camping and, and it, when, I was a, when I was a child, and I just, can you just imagine like the skies opening up and an angel kind of ascending from the heavens? And the Bible says that these shepherds were absolutely terrified. No kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were overwhelmed with this message. And I want to draw your attention to two things. I want to draw your attention to God's choice of who he chooses to be the messenger of this great announcement. But not only who he chooses to deliver the message, what the message is that they will be delivering. Because there's, there's questions to be asked about both choices. And I believe if you're listening carefully enough that God will be able to, to speak to you through you simply asking the questions, God, why the shepherds? <laughs> Later we see wise men. God, why wise men? Why did you use what scriptures enduring that culture would refer to as the shepherds as the lowest of the low, the homeless of society? Yet you announce to the homeless people the coming of your son who is the Savior, the King, and the Messiah. Interesting choice. <laughs> I might have chosen differently. I don't know about you, but one of the hard things about any story you hear is our ability or inability to connect. Have you ever noticed that? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been at someone's home when they put on family videos? Okay, I'm the only person. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks, guys. Anyone, have you ever been there? And I, the first time this happened to me, this experience, I was startled. I was startled because something was, was very wrong. Because I remember every time I watched our family videos, like I remember when we were growing up, my, my parents had family videos that were super old. They were on the, um, they were on like the wheel and, the, and they had like the, I don't even, what, are they, what, is, what is that? The eight millimeter, y'all yelling in the back, eight millimeter. We don't even know what that's like a gun. We don't even know what that is. It's not a, like any, okay. But I remember it like took 25 minutes to set up and it would go on the wall and then, like everyone would be moving. It was awesome. But, and um, it was crazy, but I remember watching them. And you know when you're watching the film, it's like, first of all, the person filming is terrible at what they're doing, okay? They have no idea how to film, but they have the camera, which was my childhood. I thought I was a professional. And I, when I found out the zoom button, all I did the entire time, zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out. And so by the time, <laughs> I'm getting sick thinking about it. By the time you're done watching the film, you feel sick. You're like, you're, you're going in and out. But I remember watching those films and they're ridiculous. They're films of nothing, nothing. They're like, oh, look at Katie. She's, she's playing and picking her nose and she's eating it and like whatever it was. Like you're just watching it. Why was it so fascinating to watch four hours? Because it's you. It's personal. It's your family. It's your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters. It was like, 
anytime it would go off, you're like, I want to see me when I was five. Like, you know, pan the camera. Like, you, there was this thing about you wanted to just, there was something connected in it because it was personal. When I watched someone else's family home videos, I was like, oh, God, this is terrible. This is like, this is like torture. Like, how long? Like, 10 minutes in, I thought we were watching for four hours. And I'm like, Haha, this is, and you can only fake laugh so many times. You know, everyone else is laughing, like hurting. You're like, ha, 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 I'm going to look at my phone. You know what I mean? It's like, and you ask yourself, why? What, what's the difference? It's personal. It's personal. It's, it's, there's something in the story that connects with our heart, with our, with our life, and, and we find it interesting. It's fascinating. And even though there's nothing of substance happening, we are drawn to the TV because it's just personal. And so when we hear the story of Jesus, what seems to be the problem? There seems to be this problem or this inability for us to see a significance in it being personal to us. And I have to ask the question, why? Why? Well, what is it? What is it that, that, that causes you to feel as if this story isn't significant to you? Like your life story has nothing to do with this story. Which the truth is, you don't need to believe it does for it to be true. But his story has everything to do with your story. Everything to do with your story. Even though you might be clueless of his story, everything about your life has to do with his story. Everything does. So I, I begin to ask these questions like, well, what causes it to become impersonal? Or just what causes it for us to become just another thing? It's like, oh, yeah, Christmas. It's like that time of the year. We're going to go to church, and it's going to be like, ooh, you know, it's going to be fun. And, and whatever it may be, but there's nothing of substance that we walk away from the story that actually changes our life. I don't know about you, but I remember playing church. When I say playing church, I remember doing what I thought I was supposed to do. Like, I rock up the church. I wear something that looks like I care. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I pay attention, try not to sleep, try not to be too distracted, which was hard for me. I had ADD, and I still do, and so it was hard for me. And so I would pretend like it, it was exciting, and I would say the right things. Like, how are you doing? I'm just blessed, man. God is so good. God is so, so good. So good. God is so good. You don't, you don't even know like how good God is. He's so good. <laughs> you ever talk to someone and they don't know how to talk in church? It's like the first time they come and they don't know how to say anything, but just God is so good, man. He's just so good. And you're like, yeah, we know. We know God's good. How are you? Because you're obviously not good. You know what I mean? And I don't know what it is, but it's, we, we, we do church. We play church. It's like we come in, we feel that we're going to be judged or people are going to look at us and kind of evaluate us and and, and if they're going to look at us that way, we're going to just put it on. Because if we put it on, then they'll leave us, and then we'll become part of the crowd, and then people will just leave us alone, and we can exist and feel good about ourselves, and then we can say, like, I go to church. It's not why God sent his son to bleed and to die on a cross. Okay, just for people to play church. I'm just telling you this because I really believe that, that when you grasp the significance of this story, of how personal it is to you, that one day you will stand before God. One day, you, you and, and not, no one else, I won't be there. You'll be one-on-one with God. No one else will be there. Your parents, you know, when I ask people, like, say, hey, what do you know about Jesus? And they say, well, my mom, my dad, my grandma. No, none of them are going to be around. It's you and God. He's going to ask you, did you give your life to my son? Did you surrender your life to him? I sent him to save you. 
because the sins that existed in your life to give you a life of abundance, no stress, no anxiety, all of those things. I've got, I get, did you surrender your life? And often my response growing up would be, well, God, I, I know how to do church. And that's not what he sent his son for so that we can say we know how to do church. And we, we, we know how to, like, when, when things are bad, we'll call the people that are connected with God. The truth is, is that all of us have the same access code to the throne room of heaven if we're a child of God. And we've created these hierarchies of understanding of how do we get to God. We don't need to strive to get to Him. He came here for us. There's no striving to get to God. He came here. He didn't send someone else. He didn't send His number two. came Himself. Fully God, fully man, incarnate. He came and he lived and he died and he was raised to life for all humanity. And that message and the significance of that story resounds throughout all of eternity. I've often thought, like, if it was that significant of a message, why the shepherds? Why people who were perceived to be uneducated, with a little money, probably broken, insecure, maybe filled with pride and arrogance, why choose them to bring the message? And as you walk with God, you realize that you are the shepherd. You're the person that may not be perfect. You may be insecure, broken, shameful, all of those things, but God uses imperfect people to carry a perfect message to humanity. And that's the uniqueness of God. He's, a, he's no respecter of persons. It means he doesn't, the same attention, he'll give, he'll give the same attention to the president as he would to a homeless person. There's no difference between it because of his love towards humanity. And so you begin to ask yourself those questions like, well, okay, he used the shepherds and he used the wise men. And everything in between, he, he made his proclamation, his announcement, and though we would question his choice of a messenger, We'll just leave it at that. It was his choice. But I can tell you, have you ever been in a conversation with someone who's super excited about what they want to tell you, but you're just like, sorry. <laughs> like, like, if you were in Australia right now, and you were like, you know, walking around, or you were with, with Bijou in India, in Mumbai, and you're like, hey, great news. Philadelphia Eagles just won the Super Bowl. Woo! They'd be like, uh... Why should I care? <laughs> Who are they? Eagles? Philadelphia? What, is that, what does that have to do with me? In the same way, I, I know that I'm always in conversations, and, and I know that there's certain conversations that people have, and have you ever been there in that conversation? You're very excited about what just happened, and, and like some of you have these really weird, peculiar hobbies, and it's like, hey, you're not going to believe it. There's a new soul machine out, and it does this stuff, and you're like, Oh, okay, that's awesome. I love coffee. I tell people all the time when I find a new coffee shop and I'm all excited, I'll tell me, oh, there's this new coffee place. It's awesome. You can have so much coffee there. It's amazing. And I'm telling them all this stuff. And I could tell them something's off. Like, you know, when you're sharing something with someone and you tell something's off, like they're not really connecting with your story and why you are so excited. And they kind of start making weird faces and you're like, you don't even drink coffee, do you? And they're like, no, I don't. A little bit of tea, but you know, and you're like, no, I don't care about tea. Okay? Do you like coffee? If you don't, don't talk to me. And you know, I find someone who sees my message to be significant. But the truth is, is the reason that that happens is because of the inability to connect with the story. I find it interesting too that, that the shepherds 
and the wise men came. But more importantly, that the shepherds were declared to bring a, a, an announcement that there would be peace, that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us, this presence of God within humanity, and that he would be the usherance of peace, not only the usherance of it, but he would be called the Prince of Peace, and he would bring peace and joy into the world. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, but when you choose someone oddly to carry a significant message, how many of you know whether you want to or not, you judge the substance of the message by the person who's carrying it? Okay, now you're gonna be all perfect on me, okay. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like when someone comes and they're like, I have a message, and you're like, oh, I don't really care because you know, it doesn't look that important. But then if you had 15 um, limousines pull up, they were all tinted out, and 15 people get out, and there's this one person dressed very nicely and walks up to you, knocks on the door, and says, hey, are you Jesse Eisenhower? I said, yes, I am. He opens a briefcase, has an envelope, and hands it to me, and said, this message is for you. And they all get back in their cars and leave. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna read this. What does this have to do? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the arrival of the message determines how significantly we see it. So I know for many of us, we casually have bumped into the story of Jesus. Just bumped into it. So like, oh yeah, I heard about it, I was little, and blah, blah, blah. So we give it no attention. But I'm pleading with you to give the story attention because everything about your life story has to do with his birth and his story. Everything about your life has to do with his story. He brings a message of peace and joy. And I, what I find so funny about this is that many of us, if you were to describe the nature of society and the global kind of world in general, you'd say like, man, things are chaotic right now. Things are crazy. There's wars going on. There's this going on. And guess what? Yeah, there is a lot of terrible things happening around the world. But if we were to compare it with what was happening during that time, there's a big difference. It's a big difference between you going out to Starbucks to get a coffee and during that time going down the road and people being crucified on the side of the road and people being executed and issues of society that were just horrendous. Things were bad, but yet these shepherds were carrying a message of peace and joy. I don't know about you, but I've often was so pe peculiar about that. I'm saying, how can you bring a message of peace when there is no peace? Can we live with peace when it seems like our lives are chaotic? Can we live with joy when everything seems to be falling apart around us and we seem overwhelmed and stressed out and we're trying to forecast our future, but we don't know what it's going to look like and we use the ability to forecast our future based on the past events that we had in our life and because of our past events that were bad, we forecast our future through this clouded lens of insecurity and fear and brokenness and so we constantly and perpetually live this life of like, can I live with peace and joy? But yet that's the message. And so I get it. I get it. I'm confused by why he sends these uh, shepherds and the wise men. I'm confused by their message that they bring. But can I tell you something? They were used by God to bring attention to the significance of the story. And the significance of the story is not in the shepherds or the wise men or even in, in what they brought. It was in the event of God becoming human on earth. And he became human on earth and he was born and raised and lived and died and was raised to life for all humanity. The significance of the story is about Jesus and his life and the substance of his life and everything surrounding his life. That is where the substance of the story should be focused on. 
Have you ever heard someone say this? Someone in the office said it last week, and I think Pastor Brian actually said it like two weeks ago, and I was just, it prompted me to think. I know we always say like, Jesus is the reason for the season. Does anyone say that? You're like, I don't know, should I wear my hand? No, I'm just kidding. I say that all the time. Jesus is the reason for the season. But then I, I just thought like, hold up. Is he the reason for the season? I'm not trying to get theological with you. I'm just trying to ask a question and say, is Jesus the reason for the season? Like if I read my Bible in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave it. So why did Jesus come? He came and was sent for us. For me, every year at Christmas, I realize that there is a, I can try to escape it and stand out of the spotlight of it, but the truth is, Christmas is all about you. It's all about you. You can try to divert it and kind of be like, no, no, it's about Jesus. Okay, put the attention on Jesus. You know what he does? He says, no, you may point it to me, but I've come to show you how much I love you. It's what it's all about. So you may look at me, but I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm living my life, and he lived, and he died, and he was raised to life, not for himself, but for humanity, for you, for me. So we can say, oh, it's all about Jesus, but the truth is Jesus came, and he lived, and he died for you, and he did it for me. And the personal nature of that story is what draws humanity to Jesus. Every other religion is about you getting to heaven, you earning your position of salvation, you living a good life and you trying to earn it and all those things and that's where Christianity and Jesus they stand alone they they're not even in the same category why because God came to humanity he didn't expect you to fix yourself he didn't expect you to live a perfect life he didn't expect you to obey everything but he came in the flesh in Jesus to provide a way for you where there was no other way that's what we celebrate in Christmas Something so peculiar about this, this story that every time it comes around and you realize that, wow, this is, this is more than just an event. And I know we talk about that, but I really believe that it's in this year and in this time. I believe all of you, all of us, we live for such a time as this. I believe whether you're ready for it or not that God's going to do something significant in this, in this earth in which we call home. I believe God's getting ready to move profoundly on behalf of his church, and I believe that God's going to do something significantly across the world. And, and I just pray that, that you don't become a spectator of what God does, that you don't become an onlooker and just saying, wow, it's fascinating what God's doing. But your heart beats in the way that God's heart, heart beats, and you begin to see what God's doing in a perspective of being part of the family of God. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says it so perfectly when it comes to things of seeing God for who he really is. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. Of no importance if it's false. And if it is true, of infinite importance. It either has no importance or, if it's, or it's infinitely important, he says. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. And I just believe with all my heart that there's many of us that are just standing in this ground of saying, I don't understand it. Like, I I believe in God, and and, and I believe that he he is who he claims to be, but 
Like, I don't know. Like, what's next? Like, what do I do? I need to tell you something, that God is relentless. Hear me real quick. God is relentless. So I don't care how apathetic you are towards him. I don't care how much you disagree with him. I don't care how much, you know, intellectual prowess you think you have and how much knowledge and all the education and all those things. God is relentless to chase you down. He loves you that much. There is no shame. There's no guilt. There's no, there's no wrongdoing that is strong enough to keep God's love away from you. And he's going to continue to chase you down every day of your life. He's going to chase you down. And I know some of you, you're, you think you're pretty good at outrunning God. You can't outrun him. Even while you're far from him and you think that you're doing your own thing and you're still in control, God's going to continually make himself known unto you. And I don't know what it is, but all of us are different people. We see life through a different lens, through the lens of our past, through the lens of previous conversations, through our brokenness. And so when people start talking, they say about Jesus, it's like these, these walls go up. These issues go up. And you can see it. It's seen in the eyes of people. Their, their demeanor changes. You recognize that we're, we're fighting not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness that are keeping people from hearing this, this profound and divine truth that is given and ushered freely to all humanity, but yet people cannot hear it. Can't hear it. And my prayer, my prayer for you today is that you would hear the significance of his story because it's in hearing the story that your life will never be the same. I'm telling you, serving Jesus with all of your heart, surrendering all of your life to Jesus is a radical thing today. By the way you talk, you process it. By the way you think, you process it. By the way that you give, you process it. God has everything. Listen, there is no such thing as partial surrender to God. There's no such thing as partial surrender to God. You can't say, God, I'll give you this, but I want that. I'll give you this. It's like, hey, I'm going to surrender. If I'm captured, be like, well, can you just, just handcuff this one arm? I want to keep this one. But I'm surrendering but just this half of my body. Like, what are you talking about? Either surrender or you don't. And this is the thing, God is either Lord of your life or he's not. He's either king of your life or he's not. He's either the savior of your life or he's not. And many of us, you need to stop putting off that question of saying, well, I think he is, maybe he is, I'm not sure if he is, I'm kind of sure, I believe God exists. No, no, confront the question, who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Listen, as we get ready to close, I want to just take you to the story in Matthew 16. It was Jesus was having a conversation with Peter. He just says to all the disciples, as I'm going to say to you, he says, who do people say that I am? The son of man. The son of man. He says, who do people say I am? And they start naming prophets, Elijah and Jeremiah, all these prophets. And they say, maybe this, maybe John the Baptist. Oh, they're naming all of these names. And then he looks at Peter and he says, no, 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 Peter. I don't care what other people have to say. Who do you say that I am? Can I tell you something, the question that you're running from, you will eventually have to answer, whether it's before God himself, or before me, or before someone else, you will have to answer, who is Jesus? It's a name to which every other name will bow. He is the name that is above every other name, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and you will eventually have to confront the thought, who will be your King? Who will be your Lord? Who will be your savior? I know, I know your flesh fights against it. It's like, no, 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 I want to be my friend. I'm promising you when you stand before God, you'll be grateful that you surrendered your life to him and gave him everything in your life. God knows the desires of your heart better than you do. And today, may this be a day, may be a proclamation that you make in your spirit. 
May God rearrange the convictions of your heart. May he rearrange the convictions of your belief system. And may you begin to see yourself as a child of God in a way that you never have before. May it be of infinite importance to you. I want to pray with you, but may your revelation of Jesus be that of Peter's when Peter looked back to him and said, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. Jesus looks back at Peter and says, it's because of this proclamation of faith, which was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by God, that it is on that confession of faith that I will build my church. God gives humanity revelation. And my prayer is that throughout this time, God has been revealing himself to you through the Holy Spirit and that you're positioned right now to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe if you've considered yourself part of the family of God, maybe it's a new step for you to say, no, no, there is no way that I can moderately live this Christian life. It's either of no importance or it is infinitely important in my life. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for his presence in our life. And I thank you for the guidance that he gives. Father, bless every person today. Bless them in the seasons that may seem chaotic and anything but peaceful. But Father, I'm thankful that you work contrary to the way this world works. That what you give no man can rob us from. That what you deposit in our spirit cannot be removed. That what you give us through the choice of receiving joy can be obtained and secure Though chaos be all around us, we can live within our hearts having this joy that surpasses and this peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, I'm thankful for what you're doing here on earth. I'm thankful for what you're doing through the lives of the people in True North. Bless them. Bless the season. May 2018 finish better than it started. May 2019 be a year that we'll never forget. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And Salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me. Just say this prayer. Say, Dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody. Whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy 
Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you, find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.